This is the third week of our series on worship. And this morning we come to the opportunity to explore this wonderful passage of scripture that was just read for us. But I wanna remind us that our definition of worship is this, Christian communal worship is the glorification of God and the sanctification of humanity as a divine human event where God offers transformation and healing. Think about those words for a moment. Worship is the glorification of God. It is a divine human event in which God continues to sanctify and offers transformation and healing. Those words, that definition give me hope that worship is not simply the practice of the ritual in which we come and sing four songs, have a prayer, take an offering, hear a sermon but that God comes and the Spirit comes and people are transformed and sanctified and find healing. There is hope for us. Let me introduce you to my father. This is my dad. Seven years ago this past Monday, he slipped away to heaven. But this picture tells you a lot about my father. If you had known my father, you would have loved my father. He was that kind of a man. But you can see from this picture the mischievous gleam in his eye. His fun-loving personality is evident. He loved to laugh, joke, and tease. He would call his five kids and his many grandkids and great-grandkids every year on their birthday and sing happy birthday to them. I miss that call. He and my mother were married for 65 years. My mom is still with us, she's now 90, serving faithfully alongside my father for those 65 years. Before my dad died, he took a yellow pad and in his own handwriting, wrote down a brief story of his life. As I read his story in his own handwriting, I learned things that I had not known. Experiences of good times and hard times. Experiences of his walk with God. Having grown up as a son of a pastor whose call was to tiny churches, there was nothing attractive to him about pastoring. As a young adult, he resisted God's call to ministry and eventually pastoring his first church at the age of 40 and serving in ministry until his 80s. If there was a summary that I could write about my father's life, it would be the lyric from the song that we sang earlier. Dad would say, all my life, God has been faithful. Those brief pages of autobiography have shaped me. My father was a man who recognized how deeply God loved him, and he desired to love God in the same measure he had been loved. During his wandering years, during his years of resisting God's call upon his life, during his faithful years, during his years of ministries, God kept showing up 
God relentlessly loved my father. If dad were tasked with writing an autobiography of God, he would write about God's relentless love. God would, dad would write about his other and complete faith in God. He would write about when disappointment during seasons of ministry occurred, dad's unwavering faith in God's love saw him through. He would write about how God's love was made real in his salvation and the ways God transformed him throughout his life. As a child growing up, when my father and mother were lay leaders in the local congregation, I watched my dad kneel at an altar many times because he was seeking God's provision, seeking God's care in his life, seeking God's transformation. He would write about how God had gifted him and how God did not desert him in the darkest of days. My dad's story of God's love is the biblical story of God's love. From the opening moments of creation, God's relentless love is evident in the story of Israel. Israel is formed by God after their deliverance from Egypt. In the midst of God's deliverance, Israel rebels against God at Mount Sinai. And yet God makes a way for them. Throughout the Old Testament, Israel rebels against God and God keeps showing up with grace, mercy, and love. It's one of the most remarkable stories you can read. In fact, if you read the story of Israel in the Old Testament, there's a cycle to it. God directs, Israel obeys, God blesses, Israel rebels, God judges, Israel repents, you see the cycle? God blesses. And that story is repeated over and over and over in the Old Testament. One of the most often created scripture, one of the most often quoted scriptures that I hear among contemporary believers is from Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you can quote that verse? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That word was a promise to Israel when they were in exile and in bondage. And God comes in the midst of the consequence of their sin and whispers words of hope to them. God keeps showing up. We see God's relentless love in the lives of individuals. Second Samuel 12 is the story of God's relentless love when the prophet Nathan shows up to confront David about his sin of adultery and murder. David Friedman notes that what is startling about that moment is that God is willing to forgive David. Think about that for a moment. Let that marinate in your soul and in your mind. After all that David had done, God was still willing to forgive him. We see God's relentless love in the life of Saul, who was at the stoning and murder of the disciple Stephen and was giving approval in Acts chapter 7 and 8. And then in Acts chapter 9, the relentless loving God shows up on the road to Damascus and interrupts the life of Saul 
who has been given permission to harass and imprison Christians and who is breathing threats against them, and God stops him on the road to Damascus. and loves him and transforms him. And God's relentless love results in a new name and a new mission in life. And he becomes the most traveled apostle in the New Testament and the most prolific writer in the New Testament. It is out of Paul's deep understanding of God's relentless love that he writes the words of our sermon text that was read for us this morning that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the sayings what is the width and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Those are nice words, they're beautiful words. I sometimes wonder if when we read scripture or hear it read, if we really grasp the significance of being what is being communicated to us. Paul has just described the relentless love of God to us, inviting us to comprehend God's love in full, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. I invite you this week to take that passage and to read it with passion. Read it with passion. Read it in the first person. Replace you with I, that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all these things that what is the width and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, that I may be filled to all the fullness of God. Own that passage, let it be yours, make it personal. but read it with emphasis, that I, that you. This is Paul's personal testimony of what he has experienced in the way that God has relentlessly loved him and transformed him. 1 John 4.19 reminds us, we love God because he first loved us. How can we effectively describe God's relentless love? Brendan Manning in his book, The Furious Longing of God, uses the word furious to describe God's relentless love, not in the sense of anger, but in the sense of passion and energy and drive. In his book, he depicts the furious longing of God to love you and me as similar to the passion between the lover and his beloved in the Song of Solomon. Remember these words? I am my beloved's and what? And he is mine. Those words capture the relentless love of God for you and for me. What do we mean by relentless? What does the biblical record tell us about God's relentless love? It tells us in both the Old Testament and New Testament that God keeps showing up. 
that God keeps showing up and, and we will talk about that and we will sing about that and we will testify to it in the sense in which God keeps showing up in response to our petition, in response to our prayer, in response to our request for provision. But I also wanna say to you this morning that God keeps showing up when we fail. That God keeps showing up when we lapse or relapse. That God does not quit showing up. And may we be reminded this morning that the birth, life, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a human divine illustration of God's relentless love. First, John chapter one tells us that Jesus, that God moved into the neighborhood. That God took up residence in the neighborhood. That God came among humanity and took residence among us. And God keeps coming. It is God's passion to love us relentlessly that provides a transforming presence of God's passionate, furious, relentless love that makes it possible to live our lives to be reordered in service to God's kingdom. God's relentless love, God who keeps showing up when we fail, when we repeatedly fail. May we be reminded when talking about God's relentless love that if the church will be the church, there will be those among us who lapse and relapse. I hope that's true among us. I hope the church is loving enough that folks feel like this is the place they need to be when they fail. Most folks, when they fail, go, I can't be there. I'm not good enough. They'll think less of me. They'll criticize me. They'll look down on me. But if the church is a church, if the church loves each other and loves people relentlessly, as God has loved us, we must keep showing up. We must keep showing up. And I know some of you who have great theological leaning and learning say, well, but that's just an excuse for people just to keep relapsing. No, it's not. Many of us have not had to live with an addiction. Though many of us have seen members of our extended families addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs. Some of us in this congregation, in this room today are addicted to pornography and it's a secret sin nobody knows. And it's cloaked under our righteousness. If you've not had to live with an addiction, be gracious and merciful to those who do.
because the mercy of God transforms a person every time they relapse so that some point in time the lapses become less frequent and with God's grace and mercy and God's strength and transformation they not only occur less but there's a day when they don't occur why because the people of God loved relentlessly in the way that God loved relentlessly. Some of us are addicted to our righteousness. Hang on, folks, put your seatbelt on. Some of us are addicted to our righteousness because when we see those lapses, we go, well, thank God that's not me. or in our addiction to our righteousness, we come and say to a person, this is how you need to live, this is what you can't do. Some people write letters to other people and hand them off as advice and counsel. And what they really become are expressions of arrogance and arrogant righteousness. You okay? I know it's really uncomfortable here right now. Thank you, brother. But think about that. When God has loved us so relentlessly, what does our response need to be? God's relentless love is not an invitation to continue to relapse. It's an invitation to be shaped in new ways and so to have our lives reordered in response to the relentless love of God. God's relentless love is a practice of grace and patience. Those of us who have been long in the faith are called on to cheer, to encourage, to pray and stand by when needed. For the temptation to tell someone how they should live is exactly that, it is a temptation. It's not from the Spirit of God. As much as you may believe that. And if you don't believe that, call my office, make an appointment, we'll have a conversation and I'll help you get right. My friend Reuben Welch once said, most people are doing the best they can and with God's relentless love, they do better. So what does relentless love have to do with worship? Remember our definition? Communal worship is the glorification of God. When we embrace and completely comprehend how relentlessly God loves us, God's relentless love is the foundation out of which we bring glory to God. 
when I appreciate and understand how relentlessly God loves me, how furiously God loves me, when I come to worship with the rest of the followers of Jesus and those who are further down the path than others and those who are being drawn to Jesus and haven't yet made that decision, but they're present in the sanctuary, they're present in the assembly, when we appreciate how relentlessly and furiously and passionately God loves us, glory to God wells up within us and we lift our voice in song, we lift our voice in praise, we lift our voice in prayer. And in the glorification of God, healing and transformation happens. It happens. It happens. Glorifying God is participation in the divine human event. And in glorifying God, transformation and healing occur. My encouragement to all of us today is that we accept God's relentless love, that we welcome it, that God will keep showing up for us and for others in the way God wants to show up, not in the way we think God should show up. Is it possible that God has a thought different than your own? It's a ridiculous statement, isn't it? My father, the first day he moved in to an office, pastor's office in a church in Canoga Park, California, a congregant showed up in his office and said, God is gonna tell me if you're the man for this church. Now I have a problem with that attitude. Anybody else? You see, God relentlessly loves even that person. Thanks be to God. Let me give you an assignment this week. What a year from Paznaz or the Valley Center friends or whoever, what are you? Sit down this week, take a yellow pad and write your spiritual autobiography. Trace the gracious, relentless love of God in your life and keep that. Let your children read it, let your family read it and then live that and bring glory to God for that. Sometimes we just kind of get used to it. Sometimes we just kind of lose sight of it. It becomes common to us.